Awesome. Well, welcome back to the SDR Handbook Podcast, where we have Lewis uh, Gadsden on the podcast today. Um, he runs SDRs of London, which was founded actually during the pandemic and has over 1,200 members currently. As well, he's the Director of Hiring for Sales Development at Wiser Elite, which is a sales recruitment agency for scaling tech ventures across the UK and actually works with companies like Cognizant, uh, Payhawk, and SalesLoft. So happy to have you, Lewis, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Yeah, I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, like I said, you're uh, running, uh, hiring for plus sales development, you're wiserly being a tech recruitment agency. And so I guess uh, the first question I had was understanding, like, from your perspective, having hired and, and working with, you know, I know you guys hire SDRs, you guys also help hire like AEs and such. It's not just um, for sales development. Um, but um, I'm curious what you've seen and what uh, makes a great SDR during the interview process. Um, you know, what what is those aspects or what is maybe some key things that you've seen um, from SDR during that interview process? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think first and foremost, there's lots of different good candidates at different stages of their careers that make great SDRs. So let's let's start with the experience piece first and foremost. What we see, especially in the UK market, is there's three different types of, of candidate that, that make good SDRs depending on the company requirements. So first and foremost, you have grads, college leavers, education leavers. They don't necessarily have to have gone to, to further education, but they they tend to make great SDRs at probably larger organizations that want to rear them from from pups, so to speak. So, so to speak. You then have people that have alternative B2B sales experience, recruiters, for example, um, people that work in delegate sales companies that, that, that we look at. Like, for example, there's places like Hanson Wade, Strategy Insights, things like that in the UK who are really good delegate sales uh, companies and put on great events. And, and the training there is excellent as well. The difference is with salespeople like that is that the sales cycles are a lot more transactional than what they would be being an SDR. It's very much like a one message, one cold call, close the deal type situation, sell the ticket and away we go. Um, and then finally, you have the ones that tend to go to more first SDRs on the ground in, in smaller seed stage startups or maybe even pre-seed. And those are the people with six plus months SDR experience actually in the seat. Uh, they actually know what they're doing. They know what a CRM is. They know how to cold call. Yeah. They know how to use cadences, all of that sort of thing. Cognism, as you mentioned yeah. earlier. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, they're the ones that tend to hit the ground running a little bit more. And, and, and they're, they're there for companies that, that probably don't have as much infrastructure to train or to, to get them to where they need to be successfully. So they're, they're the three different sort of talent pools that we see that make great SDRs depending on on who's looking for them. Things that are universal across the board, you need to be curious. So most of the time in the interview processes that we deal with, um, the, the the interviewer won't really care too much about it. The, they, they will to a certain extent, the answers to their questions, what they really want to know is what the SDR is going to ask them and what they want to know. Based upon... And, and this is something that candidates don't often think about in the SDR market. If you, if I was to ask you, Taylor, okay, why do you want to work for our company specifically? Whatever comes out of your mouth first is clearly the most important thing to you. Mm -hmm. So if all of a sudden someone says, you know, money or 
you know, I want to get training or whatever, that will always go down in the interviewer's mind as, okay, that's the real reason. The other three reasons are going to be diluted and things that are probably scraped around the barrel for. So always be careful about what you're uh, what you're going to say first when really when they ask what gets you going about the company or why you want to work there. But curiosity yeah. and pro- and the last one I'll say is proactivity. Proactivity, obviously, being curious is all you know. Questioning what what's going on and and, and asking questions, but the proactivity piece is also so important it's not all about your manager or your senior um, doing the job for you and just giving you the answers. Have the ability to go and find it. Like, you know, you yeah. get, get what, and come to the table with what you've found as opposed to being like, I can't do this. What shall I do? It's a completely different narrative to coming to Taylor. I know full well that the X, Y and Z, but what about this last bit? And just show that you've gone away, you've done that, you've had that, you've had that effort, you're, you've made that effort, yeah. should I say, to to come back and, and, yeah, make a go of it on your own first. Yeah, I really like the one about um, what you mentioned around curiosity, because it's such a transferable thing into being an SDR, which is being curious, whether that's not just in how you prospect, like being curious in finding new ways to get, you know, that meeting booked, or also just you know, being curious on a, you know, intro call or discovery call, you know, to understand better about the pains and needs of the prospect. So, um, no, I really love that all around. And um, curious with that, like, let's say, let's say, you know, let's let the state set the stage a little bit of like, you know, let's say you're a college student coming out um, and you're looking for an SDR role, role. How should they be prepping for that interview to be able to show that they're curious, to be able to show these aspects, you know, should they be having all those questions laid out already or you know what what have you seen from you know great you know people when they prep what does that sort of look like um for these interviews that they end up going into good all right so yeah let, 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 let's talk of this from a from a first timer's perspective yeah complete yeah. ground zero so you, you you've left education you know you've shown the right attributes you know what sales is you know you're going to be cold calling cold emailing you know it's going to be some days are going to be tough but you're up for it you know it's what you want to do so we, we're going into sales for the first time what i would suggest is first and foremost that you are competent in explaining what the company does in your own words that is yeah. the first port of call always not verbatim off the website you know we are an ai <laughs> yeah. powered cloud based <laughs> yeah. you know all of that jazz how are you how are you going to explain it to your friends when you let's say you know great we get this job how are you going to explain to them what it is that you sell or what it is that your company does that's the explanation that we want and we need that competent not only that you can't almost want to have this 20 second overview of the company your elevator pitch almost that you're going to use in your mind on cold calls. If you can have that nailed before the first interview and actually bring something to the table. Great. We're in a, we're in a great position and we start adapting that from there ready for any sort of role play exercises that may come later on in the process. So that's something that I always work with my candidates on first and foremost. Secondly, reasons as to why you want to work for the company specifically, not why you want to be an SDR, not why you want to work in tech. What is it about this specific company that gets you going? <laughs> yeah, so it may well be, I don't know, progression case studies. LinkedIn is there for everyone to see. If you look at any of the account executives, any of the SDR managers, the heads of sales, whatever. If they've been an SDR in that organization first, great. You can see that, that someone's walked walked that path 
And therefore, the only question begging is, if I get my head down, if I work hard, can I expect a similar sort of rate of progression? And again, it shows you've done your research. So mm, it's that sort yeah. of thing. So that could be a specific reason. There's other things as well, you know, more elementary stuff, funding, um, the the uh, people in which they sell to, the type of personas. I think we all know that selling to a sales director is very different to selling to a CFO. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. you know, you've got to think about what suits you best and, and where you think you're going to succeed uh, in that. Um, but yeah, reasons as to why you want to work for that company specifically, try and make them feel as special as possible. Because if you just say, I want to be an SDR, I want to be in tech, well, you could go work in a million companies. <laughs> right yeah, yeah. You've got to try yeah. and narrow it down a bit and make them feel special. And then lastly, the last thing I would say, if you're, if you're doing this for the first time, move hell on earth to make sure that you know who's going to be interviewing you and that you do your research on them beforehand. There are golden nuggets of information on every single person's LinkedIn profile, no matter how, you know, um, extravagant or flamboyant their profiles may be, even to the basic ones. There's where they went to college. There's where they went to high school. There's where they went to, I don't know, worked previously. You know, they they were at your stage in, in, in uh, yeah, your stage in their careers once. They probably had part-time jobs. It may have been worked for the same fast food chain. I don't know could be anything but try and build that common ground and just show that you've in a non-stalkerish way done your research on them yeah. <laughs> but they would be the three key yeah. pillars i would say yeah no that was that was great um full of information in there especially you know i think talking about having that elevator pitch that's not just off the website which maybe comes into play like later if they make you do like a mock call or, or do a mock call call or anything like that um, really has that really have that handy as you're going through, which I'll ask you about later. Um, um, you know, what's your thoughts around mock discovery calls during the interview process? But um, curious first before that, um, you know what what you know maybe it's exactly how you're doing it at Wiser Elite. You guys obviously have a certain process to how you conduct interviews, um, but and cannot go about recruiting. <clears throat> but I'm curious, like, what your thoughts on like what it looks like from now, not just the interviewee side but the interviewer side um, of what makes a great interview from a company standpoint to know that they're making the best choice in bringing on an SDR and some of that may be you know feeling that this person might be great in the role as it is an introductory role um, but I'm curious what you've seen or what you think is great uh, from an interviewing process from a company standpoint of what makes a great interview to make sure you're hiring the best people for your team. Yeah, absolutely. So I know for a well, first and foremost, interviewers, especially when hiring salespeople that have no sales experience, effectively, um, yeah. is evidence of achievement. Okay, mm-hmm. so that that is something that humans have in in a load of different weird and wonderful forms. It could well be your grades. You know, that's that's a simple one. It could well be your you know your part of sports teams. Or you currently are like part time. You know, obviously people always. 10 is a bit of a cliche now among sort of sales functions but you know we want the captain of sports teams or you know all that sort of thing some some companies may want the social sector secretary <laughs> in some cases um whereas some probably want the treasurers uh in, instead but you know what i mean you've got you've got you've got all of those sorts of different things but evidence of achievement proof that or, or it could well be something a bit more gritty you've supported yourself through college or university. You've had to work part-time. Everything wasn't handed to you. 
um you know or yeah that 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 could be a number of different things in 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 which they they could look for from the off but um in terms of them making the the right hire as well there and then in the interview process, there needs to be an element of back and forth as well. Interviewers do not just like to ask questions one after the other. And likewise, they they want questions fired back at them to a certain extent, always keeping in mind that you're having the interviewee-interviewer relationship, always respecting that um, and not turning it around and giving your interviewer a grilling but, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. but at the same time you know they want to make it a conversation you, you already got to realize especially for organizations that employ people uh, grads let's just say for the first time or school leavers they're probably large organizations that do hundreds of these interviews every month so try and make it as interesting as possible for them back and forth yeah. conversation make it memorable come out with a memorable fact about yourself as well I've had people who in the past who who have placed uh, some some cool software companies that you know, part of a task in some cases is is uh one of the slides or one of the questions in a presentation is why me and with that I've had some incredible facts about people for example I've had one uh guy who I had no idea at the time but he was actually a childhood star in a very famous advert <laughs> in the no, UK <laughs> um, yeah. and, and then all automatically oh he's known as that guy like yeah. you know what I mean yeah. it's, it's that and and <laughs> yeah. that's actually a really powerful tool to to make yourself yeah. memorable and people cannot also you know, don't be wrong you've got to smash all the other parts of the interview show that you're confident a good communicator you're there for the challenging days as well as the good and you know exactly what you're getting yourself into but almost having that that memorable bit about you can can really make a difference too as opposed to just being the normal run-of-the-mill candidate that went to college came out don't know what they want to do so now we try trying sales yeah yeah but that's that's um, what interviewers look for in my experience yeah no that's awesome and then for that sales discovery um side of things i know you know a lot of companies that i've spoke like uh, met with um end up making you do a mock discovery call or mock cold call or some sort of scenario um and i'm curious your take on that um for the sdr interviewing process and if that's a good thing or a bad thing or you know what are the good aspects and you know, what are aspects that interviewers need to understand and, and give leeway because i know a lot of companies you know may say no based off of someone's you know mock discovery call even though you know they have a chance to grow in a few months and get better at that and there's certain aspects that help that um so i'm just curious like your your point of view on that because i know some companies are against it or for it um so i'm curious as someone who goes about this and and looks at this every day what is your take around that um the good the bad you know yeah no it's uh, going back to my three different types of candidates that make good sdrs it depends which one you're after if you let, let's obviously let's let's start where we left off. Let's talk about the, the larger organizations employing school leavers, right? Yeah. If you get them to do a cold call when they've never done one before, nine times out of ten, it's going to be <laughs> pants. It's going to be rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, yeah. There's 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 no way there's there's no way that that they are ever, especially if you get them to sell the product that you you are used to selling. Like if you if you yeah, get them to yeah. sell the company's product. Good. There's no, there's no yeah. way on earth it's ever going to be no. anywhere up to scratch. So 
in my eyes, it's a bit of a redundant exercise, to be honest with you. Get them to, you know, like for example, the the same task that I just mentioned there is, is one of my longstanding clients. And they do, they do it well because it, they get them to do a, a, a pitch on, on why me, why sales, why this company. You know what I mean? And it, it okay. allows them to pitch things that they can actually talk about themselves, see what they can highlight and do it that way. So if we're, if we're going for the entry level positions, people with no sales experience, I would say the mock cold calls are redundant in interview processes. That said, if we are employing people from the further two talent pools that I mentioned, so people with alternative B2B or maybe even B2C sales experience or people with six months SDR experience, then, then okay, I can see the point in this. Especially, so let's go from let's go from um, the second candidate pool: recruiters, delegate sales executives, sometimes even you know uh, realtors, estate agents, or, or whatever what we call yeah. them in the UK. Um, they can make great SDRs, and they're cold calling people for the most part. They're doing it, but like I said, it's more transactional. So getting them to see how they would morph it, but get them to sell something that they're used to selling. I've seen that work really well in interview processes okay. just yeah. so that the, the company can get a feel of how they go about it, how they would close someone to a viewing, how they would close someone to a ticket or uh, an interview, whatever, or, or to use their services on a no win, no fee basis. Like I say, something more transactional, but it gives them a good insight as to their phone manner, how they go about it, their process, that sort of thing. And then finally, what we're seeing more and more over here in the London market, especially for for people that want experienced SDRs, um, we're getting a a full case study of of outreach being asked for, almost like a portfolio. So we're not just asking for a cold call role play now. We're asking for um, mock emails and a follow up. almost an annotated email as well for you to talk through your strategy as to why you're using particular techniques on that email Um, and then also cadence structures or or sequence structures whatever you'd like to call them Uh, what you go about them why are they in that order get them to annotate those as well and then in some cases where I've you know uh, really thought a, a candidate can can go far here and, and really impress them i've also got them to do example voice notes or vidyards okay or loom yeah. whatever whatever it is that mm-hmm. you use you know a video um yeah. just to go above and beyond in those tasks and and almost play sort of a, an ace card in the interview process but it's definitely something that people can do for sure if you're an experienced sdr and you're applying for a let's say senior sdr job team lead job whatever else it may be but um, yeah. that's my view on, on mock cold calls. Just to just to reiterate, for grads, mm-hmm. school leavers, I, I'd, I'd avoid it. It's a bit redundant. Yeah. But for, for experienced salespeople, give it a go. Yeah, no, that's, that's good to give the, the aspects of depending on what you're looking for, which I think is great because I've seen companies that, you know, have multiple different versions on their team if they have a larger SDR team. And even if they have people that are brand new coming in and still doing it and you find less success with them, you know, maybe it is time for a different way for those people. And then if you are hiring a senior SDR, maybe to your team, that it is time to have like different sorts of um, sections for different sorts of um, roles within it. So that's, that, that's full of information. I love that. Um, now, speaking of, so like I mentioned at the beginning, you run SDRs of London. Um, and I just wanted to give you a second to kind of explain what that is. Uh, for people listening that don't know what SDRs of London um, is um, and why did you create it? 
Yeah, sure. So first and foremost, SDRs of London is an inclusive peer-to-peer mentorship community for for lead generators at tech companies within within the capital. We do have people from slightly outside of London as well. You don't need to have a London postcode to be involved or anything like that, but it just went with the name. So so that's that. Um, I created it for, for a couple of reasons. So we've been going now for three years. So first of all, there was no real safe space for for SDRs, especially early stage SDRs, people that are going into it relatively uh, new or for the first time. There wasn't really a space for them where they could network and, and, and meet each other and talk about their challenges. Sales has made a real shift in the past five years it feels as to whereas people before were all like up for keeping their own tricks up their own sleeves to make sure it benefits themselves um now everyone wants to share which is brilliant like everyone wants to share so whether obviously i'm not so much maybe with direct competitors um but if you're you know if you're an sdr from martech and i'm an sdr from medtech and we've got things that in common that could help each other let's talk about it uh, let's let, let's do it so uh, but there wasn't really a platform there was no one really collecting those dots or connecting those people um there was there was a couple in the space one of which was trying to charge money out of the sdr's back pocket um about, f- about 500 pounds a year which I, I disagreed with so i thought what can i do that will obviously facilitate those connections between sdr's help them along in their careers but also put wiser elite in in a shop window and and bring us closest to closer to our market so that's that's exactly what what happened. I took fifteen SDRs that I'd placed at, at tech companies across London. Took fifteen SDRs that I just reached out to out of the blue at companies that I'd quite like to work with. Obviously, um, measured the appetite for it, found it, put them all in a WhatsApp thread, and went, "Well, there you go, mentor each other." And, and that's exactly yeah. what happened. And then, lo and behold, bit of a perfect storm. Um, about a, a month, six weeks later, the pandemic happened. We went from having around about 35 members to 120 members in a week. Um, we now today sit at five and a half thousand followers on LinkedIn, 1,200 members mixed between WhatsApp and mailing lists. We've just done an event with Aircall last Thursday on, on how to do more with less in the current climate. So sponsored events are now happening, um, of which we sell out all of the in-person ones. We don't actually charge for the tickets, of course. It goes against the reason, but you know, we still yeah. have allocation and only a certain amount of space in our office. So yeah. we do yeah. that, you know, it's, they all get reserved is the, is probably the yeah. proper way to say it. Um, and we also do online events, which are like, for example, lunch and learns or, or things with, with people like Kyle Coleman, who I know you're aware of. We've had Will Allred from Lavender, Morgan Ingram um, as well. Yeah. Uh, he runs the SDR Chronicles. He's also coming over and presenting our, uh, tech sales uh, awards ceremony in may the elites um so that's all very exciting but yeah that that's what we've done the key thing is it's there first and foremost to help the sdrs along with their careers um and for them to get better at what they do the byproduct for us is is obviously it's an unrivaled referral network um yeah. but we never would never post a job in there or do anything like that it's a mentorship platform first and obviously it brings us closer to our market yeah, that's awesome. And then you had mentioned uh, offline that you had all these SDRs and obviously they move up within the ranks to AEs and, and such. So you've been able to also, you know, move along with them as they progress, which is really awesome too. Um, yeah, so um, with that, like, what's the what's the goal with SDRs of London? Like, maybe have you been thinking like long term with it or is it just 
yeah, we're building this community and sort of seeing where it goes. Yeah, no. So, so first and foremost, the first of all, when we did it three years ago, it was let let's just do this and see where it goes, yeah. <laughs> which is good. Whereas now, it's very much become uh, wiser elites, uh, well, one of wiser elites' unique selling points because no one else has done it. Um, it's not been easy to to sell out. It's also been expensive in in some parts yeah. as well to do so. Um, but obviously now we're actually seeing the return on investment three years later as to as to how it can work in terms of referrals for work, candidates, um, other partnerships, whatever else it may be, because we're we're trusted by the market that we operate in. Um, yeah. It's not after a quick buck, which is which is nice. Um, but yeah, no, obviously we don't just have SDRs of London. We have AEs of London as well, which we had yeah. to create when SDRs started progressing. We have the elite, which is the go-to-market leaders and early stage tech founders and, and making moves as well, which is more of a catalyst for change community. It's our, our females in tech sales community um, as well. So that one's, that one's slightly different. But with all of them, the, I think eventually we just obviously want to make them as big as we, as we possibly can um uh, and just make sure that they're always helping people and helping them along in their careers there's no real end goal as yet i would say um but the the, the key thing is we want to we want to make them as big as possible make our reach as global as big as possible help as many people as possible and obviously operate in as many areas as possible as a as a recruitment business as well so um but like like it's like i stress the key thing is is we we never post jobs in these communities we are you know hosts of the communities first for the members and then you know uh, the recruitment stuff is is secondary if they obviously ever want to to work with us obviously they know where we are and know what we do and that we don't go looking for it yeah no that's awesome um well this is the the end of the podcast um i really appreciate you coming on lewis i think you know from all the you know, great juicy details that you had around recruitment and actually like tactical things that isn't just this broad idea around recruitment um, is really great. And I think anyone listening you know, has been able to take away tons of different information uh, from this podcast. So really appreciate you coming on. Um, really have enjoyed having you on the podcast. Um, just wanted to hand things over to you here at the end to let them know where they can find you and any last words um, that you had before we hop off. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, please connect with me on LinkedIn, Lewis Gadsden. It's G-A-D-S-D-O-N. It looks wrong, but it is how you spell my last name. Um, or you can find us at, at SDRs of London and Wiser Elite on, on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lewis. And yeah. Thanks. All right, guys. Uh, welcome back to the Too Long Didn't Listen. Um, so today with Lewis, um, great podcast where we went over recruiting um, as he's the director of sales development recruiting within Wiser Elite, which is a recruitment firm uh, for tech companies. And basically with him, um, so one of the biggest points that he mentioned was as someone who's looking for SDR roles, there's different batches that you're going to look at, with the, whether that be coming out of college or um, a senior SDR role. Basically, with coming out of college, and that's which most of SDRs are, you know, coming into this uh, beginner, um, just that you got to do your research. You got to make sure you know how to pitch their product without it being something that's based off their website. So coming up with an idea of what you want to pitch um, and just being able to do that um, can really wow recruiters um, within companies or um, staffing firms. So um, doing that is really big. And then on the um, side of... Uh, actually recruiting people to your company, a big thing being that 
you know, if you're, uh, if you're speaking and recruiting someone from university or senior SDR lead, whatever the case is, you got to change up how you do those, uh, those interviews, uh, just because, you know, one, a, a, a university college student isn't expected to have all this sales experience. They're not going to be that great at the role right off the bat. Whereas a senior SDR is going to have that, um, that pizzazz and being able to do discovery calls, do cold calls. They have a lot more experience. So you need to change up how you do things, whether that's not including, you know, doing a mock cold call or mock discovery call with those and doing, uh, other exercises with them. And then leading into that more with senior SDRs to make sure that you know their skills, um, and what that looks like. So that's today's too long. Didn't listen. Uh, appreciate it. Once again, listen to the podcast. Don't listen to this. Thank you.